ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Isotope Native Instruments and Plugin Alliance are launching a whole bunch of super hot deals for the Summer of Sound sale. From now until the 6th of July 2023, Isotope are offering all their software for 50% or more off, including the comprehensive mixing and mastering bundle Music Production Suite 5, as well as flagship tools like Ozone, RX, Neutron and more. All things I use to edit this podcast. Visit isotope.com. and check out the frankly colossal range of things that you can get at extraordinary prices and take your mixing and editing to a whole new level. Listen up, dear listeners in the UK. There's a brand new guitar show this year, the Brighton Guitar Show. It's a one-day show happening on the 15th of July at the Brighton Racecourse, and it's going to be great. We'll be there along with loads of your favourite boutique and major brands like Two Notes Audio Engineering, Chapman Guitars, Fidelity Guitars, Thought B Effects, Pedal Patch, Bright Onion Pedals, Ranger Effects, NRG Effects, Great Eastern Effects, Iverson Guitars, Kurt Mangan Strings, Maybury Lake, and lemon audio Xander circuitry and loads and loads more what more excuse do you need to come to sunny brighton the birthplace of guitar nerds than a guitar show full of guitars pedals effects and accessories come and say hi hang out have a beer and check out all the cool gear with matt jd and i you might even see a few of the og guitar nerds hosts knocking about for tickets visit brightonguitarshow.co.uk or check them out on social media with Brighton Guitar Show. See you there. Matt. Joe. I uh, I was feeling peckish the other day, but I've been having some weird food cravings and I, I really wanted to eat a watch for lunch. But um, it was too time consuming. Hello, dear listener. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Joe. Hello. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, I don't like that you've also got a soundboard now. I know, I know. Yeah. I can just, um, you know, what do you want? Want some applause? Yeah, they're good enough for you, Joe. They're good enough for you. That's great. I, I That's promise great. I won't use the soundboard anymore. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, but yes, welcome back, Matt. You had a week off. Welcome back, dear listener, to another episode of the podcast. It's Glastonbury Festival over the last weekend. You know, biggest, big 
awesome festival in the world, is maybe? It, is yeah. it the biggest festival in the world? No, there are definitely bigger ones out in weird deserts in America and stuff like that. But, you know, it's definitely the most famous festival in the world. Probably um, one of the most long-running festivals, surely, as well. Like, it's been going since what? When was it? Was it 50 years this year? Was it, was it really? Blimey. I, I, I had no idea. Well, that's, uh, that's very long. But, of Have course... Sorry, have I ever been? Uh, I went in 2005 and I went again in 2007. In 2005, w- the reason I didn't go in 2006 was because there was no 2006, because in 2005, um, that was the year that it was so wet that they couldn't do it the following year. Uh, that was where people's tents were being washed away. Oh, yeah. Um, it, was, it was awful. Yeah, it was really awful. <laughs> It's just, you know, all of your stuff was just permanently, completely soaked for an entire weekend. Oh, man. I just, I mean, and this weekend, surely the polar opposite for American listeners. England has been like a an oven for probably about three weeks now or certainly an oven for us. I mean, it makes it impossible. I don't know about you, Joe. It makes it impossible to play guitar. Sticky necks, sweaty, rubbish. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I'm sort of, you know, trying to air out my office, but I'm aware that there's a lot of setups that are going to need to be redone on things over the, you know, Indeed. after after this, but, but oh well. But yeah, you know, Glastonbury, always uh, always a cracking festival for, for seeing lots of amazing gear. I always found it difficult when I go, Matt, because to be honest, it's a 30-minute walk if you're lucky between the two main stages. So just trying to schedule when you're going to go and see what is, is very difficult. Also, it tends I know there's, I appreciate there's lots and lots of stuff there, but it tends to be quite down the middle, you know, mm. music wise. It's not, there's nothing really that left field and it's quite expensive. So I, I'd only, re, I'd be paying so much money to go and see only smaller stages. So, I, you know, there's, it's, it's never quite for me, but nonetheless, lots of amazing, lots of the world's biggest bands there, some incredible performances this time and some great gear to check out. Yeah. I, um, Basically, you saw none of it, Joe. So you're going to fill me <laughs> in in what happened in the world of Glasto. Um, well, I'm sure it was pedal boards aplenty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think actually just the sheer amount of, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to build that festival, but the sheer amount of um, just scheduling and stuff that must just have to happen at all times yeah. to run that is mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, there are some real, like, heavy lifting bands when it comes to gear as well. You know, it's like you see, uh, I guess there are things like Guns N' Roses where everything's been, all the equipment is very tailored around the fact Mm. that they know how to do a stadium show. So, you know, they're all on wireless stuff. Their their amps are are very much geared up at the back of stage, and there's probably a lot of reamping and you know, mm. you know that you know not not real world stuff happening. Digital things to to help everything along. That's that's a band that know their way around a stadium show. You get a lot of bands like uh, I was watching Young Fathers or e- even Arctic Monkeys and um, uh, Warpaint that. Uh, <laughs> you know they're all like 
cables. There's no wireless setups, and they're all their amp setups are a load of amps. You know, even the war on drugs with his little wall of random like basements and some some random Fender Champ style amplifier. You know, they've got just all this stuff and these big pedal boards, loads of gear, loads of cables all over the place. And I'm like, God, this must be a ni- a nightmare. You know, fine if it's your own show, but. When you've got the sh- quick turnaround of a festival, this must be an absolute effort for everyone involved. Absolutely. I think um, no shared backline. It's not like, oh, can't <laughs> make <laughs> Stuff. I didn't bring a drum borrow, stool. I need to borrow your. Uh, need, you're the headline. You're the headline act. I need to borrow your bass cab. Yeah. Um, <laughs> none of that. It's like bring your own. I mean, I remember standing. Uh, on the viewing platform side of stage at Reading in 2016 between Red Hot Chili Peppers, who were headlining, and I think Imagine Dragons with maybe the band before. Right. And just like watching the changeover was mad. Like everything was, it was almost like just everything was on wheels and it was just like slide stuff off one side and it just all comes on the other and it's just like it all works instantly. Yeah. It's, it's pretty mad. It's like. It's got to be a weird, a weird thing to like. I guess be a roadie and do that kind of things, but it's got to be a very, very different. Like no time, all line checks, no sound checks whatsoever. Yeah, it's got to be pretty uh, nerve wracking at times. Yes, yeah, it must be extraordinarily intense for them. But um, but yeah, but what was was hot then, Joe? Well, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about gigs. We've got we've got a lot of other things as well as dear listener. Kind of this new thing we're going to try on this week's episode as well. So I'll talk about some of the gear that I thought was really cool. Warpaint, always a fantastic band. You know, I just mentioned them a second ago. Always a fantastic band for equipment. You know, they've got two guitarists and uh, and a bass player. The bass does such a lot of the melody work, such a lot of the heavy lifting in that band. Always a gorgeous old Rickenbacker 4003. I've seen them a couple of times. I can't remember if it's always the same Rickenbacker. I think it might be. It's always like a a white Rickenbacker 4003 with a black guard. Could be a 4001. Um, and and you know it's 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 that white on Rickenbackers. It it, it does mm-hmm. a wonderful job of like tobacco yellowing <laughs> over yeah. time yeah and, and hers has done done just that and it's uh it is gorgeous it's absolutely brilliant it sounds fantastic uh really tasteful use of like a light flanger a light bit of chorus here and there as well as just a, a, a straight up edge of breakup ampeg svt tone All, always great always great but then almost backed up by these more these two more ambient guitars both guitarists. Now, I, I'm pretty sure one of the guitarists. Um, what, uh, I can't remember her name. Is it? Is it Emily Cockle? I think she used to play something else in the other one. I could be getting that the wrong way round. But uh, basically, they both play Jaguars now. Gorgeous Jaguars. Gorgeous, like a lovely again Olympic white Jaguar with a torque guard and it's just worn and aged and it's they were a one guitar band you know they 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 don't change they don't have a a, a new guitar for each song and those are their instruments and they just look gorgeously worn in they sounded fantastic uh one of them going through a, a roland jazz chorus i can't remember what the other one was maybe a deluxe um but it was just it was just fantastic wonderful sounding bands they were always always great to watch and sounded fantastic. Really, really interesting sound. Oh, nice. I mean, gear wise, you can't can't beat a JC. Yeah, 
Well, exactly. For that sort of jangly tone, loads of delays, loads of reverbs, you want a clean pedal platform for that sort of thing because they've got that really, it's that ambient soundscape sort of feel to a lot of that dreaminess to a lot of their stuff. Mm. The jazz chorus just does a perfect job of staying articulate at the same time as being, you know, a great covered in, you know, soupy delay and reverb amplifier. So Mm. that was very good. Arctic Monkeys for me were the the big the big highlight of Glastonbury of everything I I saw. You know, there were some fantastic things like uh um oh I mean in, interestingly enough, dear listener, on our Facebook group, Sam Brooksby put up a post about, you know, gear to check out, what people had seen uh, at Glastonbury, which was great. And so lots of people have commented on there if you're interested in seeing some of the stuff. It was lovely to see uh, James Dean Bradfield with uh, an Eastman Juliet. Which is pretty cool. I really want one of those. We talked yeah. about them a few weeks ago, didn't we? I, I think yeah. they're wicked. That I mean, that man always has taste in guitars. You know, I, I love his uh, his his white Les Paul, his Les Paul custom. It's always gorgeous. So that was nice to see. Um, I didn't see the set, but that was nice to see that. And uh, Davy Johnstone, the uh, the guitarist for Elton John, he uh, was rocking some absolutely fantastic instruments gorgeous sound throughout i mean he came on with like a flying v but it it was this lovely sort of mellow again edge of breakup sort of bluesy rock and roll tone from this Mm. flying v which is not the sort of sound yeah i i I appreciate it's just a two humbucker guitar dear listener of course it's capable of those sorts of sounds but it's not really the application you ever see a a flying v being used in and and it was it was just wonderful so that was great and he had a range of les pauls he had one uh, yellow brick road Les Paul with like a graphic of Elton John on it, which is kind of fun and cool. But uh, yeah, I've just, I've just seen. Is that the one that says Captain Fantastic? No, that the Captain Fantastic one. He's been playing for the last twenty years. He's uh, been in Elton John's band forever. That was another one. He had a similar guitar that I think was maybe for this show, or right. so, you know, or certainly another one with a custom graphic on it, which was equally as garish, but kind of fun to see. Um, so that was pretty cool but yeah Arctic Monkeys for me just for amazing gear you know I've seen lots of people posting about wanting an Epiphone Coronet now that was pretty much um the the main guitar for uh what's his chops what's the main guy's uh name Alex In, Turner there we go yeah 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 I I saw an image of um I saw an image and he was playing that and I was like man he makes that guitar look wicked yeah. um and actually the couple of weeks prior when i was in 66 sounds in denmark street they had a uh-huh. silver sparkle relic one what yeah it's so like how much custom one i don't know it was already sold Ugh. um but i was like that is a cool guitar that is i wonder what the sales cool are going to be like on epiphone coronets now is it going to be like when the beatles documentary came out and squire you know the squire bass six became the best-selling bass guitar for fender and squire that year one on reverb here 62 original epiphone coronet for five and a half grand oh really they're that much now i still think of those as a bit of a melody maker you know level guitar yeah yeah absolutely that sort of money I don't know if i'd really pay five and a half grand no i mean it sounded very cool but it is a cool jangly one trick pony doesn't keep its tuning that well sort of rock and roll guitar what um what were they using amps wise because you know back in the day very fair. I'm, you know what? I should probably listen to more Arctic Monkeys in some ways. I know a lot of people really rave about them, but I think we're early on when they basically just playing like 
basic American standard strapped into like a hot rod deluxe. <laughs> well, actually, uh, you were close. Yeah, it was. Uh, Amer- I mean, early early days, it was. Uh, it was Mexican. A white Mexican Stratocaster into an orange combo. I can't remember what the combo was, but it was small enough that you had to sit it on a chair on stage. Amazing. <laughs> that was where they started. But um, this time, um, Selma Treble and Bass, I w- was trying to spot what was back there. It was kind of a dark stage, so it was difficult to see what was going on. Uh, Selma Treble and Bass, though, I spotted, which, um, which was being... Why, why is his name gone again? Alex Turner. Alex Turner. There we go. <laughs> so yeah. So it's uh, anyone else in the band? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mind. Yeah. Sorry if uh, any of the Arctic Monkeys listen. I'm, I'm, I really apologise, but yeah, yeah, anyone else in the band? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So so it's so much treble and bass fifty for um, for Alex Turner. The other guitarist was using a Sims Watts. Um, which was pretty cool, like an old, like a super old Sims Watts PA, you know, looking amplifier. Right. They have such great taste in retro gear, so it's uh, it's unsurprising. I'm sure there were some other things. There were other amplifiers at the back, which was pretty cool. Their second guitarist was switching between a 335 um, and an absolutely lovely uh, Black Beauty, which I thought sounded completely incredible. Um, bass player moving between his normal precision bass for all their older stuff and then newer stuff. Uh, he's got a, one of those little burn supersonic basses. Oh, yeah. Short scale, very nice. Old 60s one, so he had one of those. A newer looking Burns marquee bass and an Epiphone Jack Cassidy as well um, for, I think, one track. So that was cool. A cool range of stuff. Couldn't see what he was using amp-wise. He is actually an Ashdown artist um the uh the the bass player for arctic monkeys but you know I, I don't i i have no idea if he's still playing ashdown stuff right um it's, it's amazing really because it, they are definitely one of those bands that sort of you know when i first moved to brighton and i bet you look good on the dance floor with that and everyone's like yeah and then i never listened to him for that but they've headlined glastonbury three times yeah yeah that's that's pretty um, massive which is impressive 2007 2013 2023 yeah. Um, you know, and they've been around for yeah, that whole I mean, two thousand seven. I mean, to high to headline at that point when they I guess they probably had like one album um, <laughs> yeah. at that point. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't I think probably two, two or three. They they put in their first two albums came out in very close succession. Right. Right. And then um same as Muse and same as Radiohead. Both three yeah. times. The person who's headlined the most, if anyone was interested is actually Coldplay and to the Cure. Oh wow! How about that? <laughs> uh, Cure headlined in eighty six, nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety five, and twenty nineteen. The Killers have played six times, not headlined, but played six times. I only know that because um, uh, Brandon Flowers was a guest vocalist on Elton John's um, set, his his last ever live performance, and he happened to mention it as he as he ushered Brandon Flowers onto the stage. Wow. That the killer's been on six times. So, yeah. <laughs> we need more rock bands, guys. Everyone's played this festival, like, I know. three to six you know times. What, what I was thinking about the other day, I was reading an article about it, and it's like, what What other... There's so many bands that, like, played those stages. I'm like, I have no idea yeah. who they are. And then also, I was reading about other artists that played. I think um, at Glastonbury, Lana Del Rey got, like... 
basically escorted off stage because she turned up half an hour late and then yeah she didn't tailor a set by the by the sounds of it but i I watched a video on that it looks like she basically just tried to play through i mean you know that's it's not necessarily her fault like um, again it's one of those artists i'm like i should probably know this person is more deeply than i actually do i was like oh yes turns out she's the 27th most streamed artist on spotify of all time i'm like oh definitely behind the times oh have you not listened to Lana Del Rey yeah she's got some good records yeah the the last one's not amazing but the two or three before that she seems to release a record every three or four months so she's a lot of no no, uh, no Omar (laughs) no exactly exactly well speaking speaking of Omar Matt I did dear listener get to see the Mars Volta at Troxy in London a little 3000 cap venue very jealous it was fantastic. Had the Huberstank bass player is now their bass player in place of Eva Gardner because Pink is on tour at the moment. So she is off um, touring with Pink. But my goodness, it was fantastic. Their new drummer. She is absolutely amazing. Um, it was lovely uh, to see Omar and also Marcel Rodriguez Lopez playing keys. We got to talk to him. We, he, he was just hanging outside at the, at the pub outside the pub where we were drinking beforehand. So we went and said hi, me and a couple of friends. That was really nice getting to meet him. And uh, yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. They were obviously more a band now. They'd extended out parts, done some more jams. Omar played another one guitar man. No guitar changes for Omar in the entire set. Used a black Music Man Mariposa for the whole set, and it sounded absolutely fantastic. He's back to using orange rocker verbs. And and, and a huge load of list as well. I mean, basically, I know that uh, from other friends that have seen them quite a few times. I think towards their last run, they were basically like, "Oh, we're we're just a jam band now." And now they play, and then when I looked at the set list this time, because that's what sort of like, yeah. oh, I'm not sure what it'd be like. And I looked at the set list this time, I was like, oh, they're basically playing like the majority of the first album and then everything <laughs> yeah. else. The first, um, second, no. one song off of the third record, two songs off of the new album. But yes, it was a it was a really early set. Nothing from Nocturnicate, nothing from Octahedron, nothing from. The Bedlam and Goliath, but they also spoke about that. They said, you know, that's not a place that they are at at the moment, and and the the reason that exactly as you say. And sorry, dear listener, I won't make this a Mars Volta podcast, but um, we will talk about some guitar gear again shortly. But uh, the reason they ended up being a jam band at the end is because the Mars Volta had three very very different drummers. They started off with John Theodore, who was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, their second drummer, Thomas Pridgen. Amazing, obviously completely different style, incredible style, but famously Pridgen couldn't play any of John Theodore's stuff, and when he did, they really wasn't very good. Then their third drummer, DeAnthony Parks, is like an effects drummer. Like He'd come up with interesting stuff, but he wasn't chopsy, especially. Mm. Um, I actually loved him the most, but of course he couldn't play Theodore or Pridgen's stuff, so they didn't have any of that stuff in their set. Um, and this with their new drummer, I, I, I don't have her name to hand, um, but she's the first drummer they've got on board who can actually play like other people as well as having her own style. So they have they can do the John Theodore stuff for the first time in a long time. So mm. uh, I guess that's why it was. But it was uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I thought um, I would also Google the pedal board. I mean, that's the question we all want to know, right? Like, yes. What? What's he got on the floor? And seems like a mix of 
I mean, it's definitely a small pedal board, but he's ditched the Line 6 in favour of single compacts again, um, it seems. So I'm just looking at a thing here. Exotic Wah Micro Boost, uh, VB2W, so Boss Vibrato, uh, the Moog Ring Modulator, DD5, what looks like a Mark One DL4 MXR Face 90. Um, so there's some sort of classic stuff in there as well. Even tied Triceracorus, right. uh, Empress Echo System, and the UAD Astra modulation. Wow. So, yeah. Simplified for him, but still with a really sort of broad range of, uh, of tones that he can... You know. I realised how... Um, how much of that his sound is also that Moog ring modulator. It makes oh, so much of his, um, his sound. And also the fact that they seemingly have all of the lyrics written on pieces of paper taped to the front of the stage, this picture I'm looking <laughs> at. Um, so I guess there's a lot of lyrics that uh, they need to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Um, but it does make me want a Mariposa even more. Yeah, there you uh, go. It is a cool guitar. I don't want the Sterling because cool they're too fine. You know, I think yeah, if I was going to get one, I'd have to go full, you know. Full, full Omar. Full Omar, yeah. Get a proper one. Yeah, I really like that black and gold one. It's very cool. It's also the guitar that um, Hayley Williams from Paramore has. I think oh, I've really? mentioned that on the podcast before. Well, that's the thing about Hayley Williams. You know, don't know anything about her personal guitar taste, but when she was doing solo stuff during lockdown, uh, she was playing an old Ibanez ORL1. Fine, I think. Random guitar for her to be playing. Maybe she just liked it when she tried it in a shop or something like that. Mm. Maybe she got given it. Who knows? But that's fine. Weird, but fine. And then she does like a little performance of her solo stuff where she's playing guitar and she's playing a black music man mariposa no one accidentally owns two omar rodriguez lopez signature guitars that means <laughs> she's a fan of the mars volta which is very cool because those guitars are wildly different one's a little you know jb mini humbucker in the bridge the other one's two full fat humbuckers on a blend control it's a totally different instrument mm. yeah absolutely well who isn't a fan of the mars volta that's what i say if you're not a fan Get out. Well, if you're not a fan, you've probably stopped listening already because I've prattled on about it for some time. <laughs> yeah, we should move on, Joe. We should move we on. Should. What's, uh, what's, what's next in the well, world? Well, I want to I talk about this, uh, This, uh, you know, what we're going to try. You know, dear listener, we've been, we've been, I've been recording tracks, doing these little demo examples of things that we've been sent over the last few weeks. Always fun to record and do, but we're actually, we're, we're going to try something a little bit different um this week we're gonna play something real time on the episode um thanks to the yeah. fact that we're now using these boss gig casters which uh you know which is a, a basically an a mixer interface that matt and i can have we can podcast together and the interface itself has all of boss effects and boss amp simulators built into it so at the same time i mean it's why matt can do those annoying uh uh sound effects now but it also means we can actually play stuff real time so we'll see we'll see how that works out i think i still like pre-recording stuff but this is definitely great for being able to talk through things in more detail 
So we're going to do a yeah, bit of that. I think um, as a bit of a first look or yeah, I don't know, maybe we, we could do like a questions thing or maybe it's something for the Patreon where we can sort of dive into a bit of gear and ask a bunch of, answer a bunch of questions. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll see. Well, it's also, it's, it's super topical this week because, of course, Matt, this is... I've I barely spoken to you in the last two weeks because no. this is a, this is a pretty big launch for you guys. We're talking, of course, dear listener, about the Boss DM One Hundred and One. What an absolutely left field release for Boss. Who, who? No one saw this coming. Indeed, um, and I've obviously, in my job, known about it for a long time, and um, been messing around with it for a long time, and it's so super glad to let everyone see it because you know we don't take it lightly when we say this is the most advanced ultimate analog delay machine on the market you know there's loads of analog delays you know i saw a comment someone was like oh thanks boss what next another tube scream and it's like (laughs) well if you actually looked at it you'd realize that it's not your average analog no it's very different interesting that it's part of the dm family uh as well yeah well Um, i think think of this as as kind of a totally different kettle of fish well Um, i guess it sort of just follows you know it wouldn't dd digital delay dm delay machine so dm2 dm2w and obviously all the way back to to dm1 um and this you know we we started talking about this concept around the same time as um sort of re202 right very bringing much, back the kidney yeah very much wanted to create yeah basically the ultimate analog delay so it covers everything that basically every other analog delay on the market does but it does so much more in a in a different way and that's because the main heart of the circuitry is that it has eight BBD chips, so bucket brigade <laughs> chips. So I think most other delay pedals on the market are two, three. Maybe How much does a DM2 four? have? Uh, two, right? I think two or maybe three. Right. Um, so eight allows us to have really complex delays. It allows us to have stereo analog delay. So it's the only, pretty much the only stereo analog delay on the market wow um it has its own unique depth and character you know if you look at something like electronics memory man people love it because of that preempt character and that sort of sound character so it was important to make sure there was a lot of its own sound characteristics in here um and it allows us to have real analog modulation as well so the signal path is a hundred percent analog but it is also digitally controlled so you've got memories on here you've got tap tempo you've got tap divisions um, you've got expression input. You can control all of the you know controls on the front via MIDI. So very much integrates into a kind of model, modern pedal board. But at the same time, you can you can use it straight up like an analog delay, no menus. You can right. just deep deep dive and go into the controls. So I've got it hooked up in uh, mono uh-huh. um, for the purposes of this. But yeah, obviously full full stereo as well. So uh, Joe, you got any questions? Any thoughts? Yeah, well, I guess, okay, so I'll, I'll ask you some layman's questions mm-hmm. um, uh, looking at, uh, you know, about the pedal. Um, when I look at the options, because you've got loads of things, there's like reflect, ambience, 
doubling delay, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. These are the modes, dear listener, that you can flick between that give you your overall voicings from the delay. Of course, it has multi-head on there. And that, I guess, for me is I'm like, what, um, what makes this different from the Space Echo? You know, what's the... Well, what's- so it actually, so multi... You know, if you look at a Space Echo, it's three playback heads, a record head, and then you've got three playback heads, so you've got playback one, so just, you know, standard straight boom, and then, you know, two slightly longer delay and three even longer delay. And then a mix of those gives you that rhythmic sound. Yeah. So the way that we've built it in this is obviously there's no tape in here, um, but what we've done is been able to use uh, the sort of dynamically use the delay chips to give you rhythmic repeats, the same rhythms um, that you would get in a space echo. So effectively, it's doing the same thing as a tape echo, the same sort of sounds and the same repeats, but it's doing it all analog. There's no digital replic, you know, right. replication here. Um, so if I, I'll give you an example. Um, let's see if we've got some. We'll turn the intensity down a little bit. So we've got. So if I go all the way down on the variation. So you've got a variation control that sort of varies uh, what you're doing in terms of the delay heads and then at the top actually the little preset lights tell you what repeats so this is let's see if i can find let's go to all the way to so this is tape heads one and two so you've got those two repeats in quick succession or right. one and three and then uh one and four And then you've got variations of that. So let's pick one, two, three. And then obviously if we start to... And then let's add in a bit of modulation. <laughs> so that modulation is that, extreme. Yeah, so very much that sort of um, warbly tape. Now if I take all that out and you've got the straight up uh, analogue... So you can get it to put it just on the cusp, give it a little bit of modulation. Why does it have that sort of like dreamlike? Very three-dimensional, loads of depth, loads of character to that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's like a little bit more of a sort of fancy delay. You've got kind of a classic um, so a classic analog delay here that's got a long repeat. Sorry, I'm talking over the repeat here. That's fine. Yeah. That sounds great. You've got a couple of options on there 
that I guess would need explaining. Like there's one nonlinear and ambience as well. So I'm wondering on like ambience, how does an analog delay achieve that sort of thing? Because I assume when you say ambience, what we're talking about is the big sort of ethereal soundscapes that we can get out of digital delays. Yeah, so actually ambience is more like, uh, I guess, like the ambience of a room. So what this is uh, doing is because we've got eight BBDs in here, you've actually got two different delays at the same time. Right. So if I turn down the variation control, so you've got almost that sort of like reflective. Yeah. I can turn that up. Love it. That's like the longest delay you get. Now, if I move up the variation control, you can hear there's like two repeats coming in. So this right. is no variation. And then if I add the variation in, so you get that initial boom, and then you get the kind of ambience afterwards. If I turn the variation all the way up, if we give it a bit more, and now give it a bit more modulation. Now, there's so much depth capable with that with the modulation so much vibrato in it like really super yeah, slow super vibrato um, just thinking if i dial back so that's like the shortest delay you can get if i start to turn up the modulation just turn the rate down a bit turn the depth up almost like a sort of flanger and then with that low modulation rate you can really hear that sort of like pitch tail off at the end and then you get all the classic oscillation that you want yeah so it's 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 wicked i you know i just to answer your question earlier this is non-linear so let me just give you an idea of the non-linear so this is kind of like an odd repeat pattern, I guess you would say. So it gives you like a, almost like a reverse delay. So here there's like scattered repeats. Yeah. Again, just put a bit of modulation in there. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely fantastic. It's it's a, a big old price tag, I guess, on a pedal. I mean, you, you would guess that, dear listener, for something with eight BBD chips in there, 500 or 499 US dollars. Yeah, uh, so about, I think it's come out at about 449 English right. pounds, I see. which, you know, in some ways, you could, a lot of people would say oh, it's expensive. And then I would say, okay, well... 
and, and funny enough, someone sent me a comment earlier. It was like, what small boutique pedal builders are there that make something similar to the Boss DM101? And and the first comment is literally nothing. <laughs> like in terms of the spec, like more BBDs, stereo, uh, tap tempo, digitally controlled, all analog signal path, analog drive through, like all of the elements that's in every analog delay pedal and more. There's literally nothing on the market and it's cheaper than still a lot of other delay pedals out there um, right. as well, really. So I think this is, you know, I've had a, a few people and a few arts we spoke to say that this is kind of the future classic from Boss. I think this is really going to start to find its way onto a lot of pedal boards because, you know, people love the DM2 and, you know, people have loved our digital delay pedals for for years and then to bring the analog side of things back in as well i think it's really going to start to um i think people are really going to start to dig into this and find some some really cool and unique sounds that's literally not available anywhere else and if you want stereo analog delay uh, or you've never tried it or never thought you'd want to try it then this is the only product that's going to let you do it absolutely um what about uh midi capability Yep, so everything in there is, all the controls on the front are MIDI controllable, um, including being able to do the tap tempo, change the delay divisions, and change memories as well. So, yeah, you can have a different analog delay for every patch, and you can, you know, plug an expression pedal in if you want, or you can do it over MIDI. Um, I was certainly messing around sending sort of MIDI signals to change the feedback um, intensity, so you can go between patches and change that the only thing it, it won't let you do because it's obviously only doing one delay sound at a time is seamless carryover between two different patches you know if you went from a short delay to a long delay and they were two different modes obviously it's yeah. physically changing changing analog components inside whereas in a digital pedal you could have a digital algorithm and, and it could go into another digital algorithm seamlessly um but to be honest, you know you're going to be using this as an analog, an analog delay, and you want analog sounds out of it. You're not necessarily going to have like several patches that you're going to be morphing between all the time. Yeah. And I found that you know I use the classic mode quite a lot, and then just use an expression pedal to go between delay times. Right. And that sort of does enough, does enough for me. But the mode that I've spent the most on, and you won't get a, a huge feeling for it unless it's in stereo. It, all the stereo modes do work in mono um, is the wide sound. So as I turn up the variation, it starts to add like um, another delay. You can sort of hear them. And then if I add in like a dotted. You know, for for those like really big delay pads, if I do some uh, volume swells.
Hours of fun. Hours of fun, Joe. Wow. Yeah, there is an awful lot to this pedal. I mean, it sounds absolutely fantastic, Matt. Like, what what a great range of things to be able to get uh, in an analog format. Big That's old purchase great. for your pedal board, dear listener. But but kind of like you say, it's uh, there's nothing well, else that does it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing. Is every other analog delay is an analog delay. You know, yeah. so they've gone. Okay, we're building an analog delay circuit, and that's what you've got. Nothing allows the kind of recreation of different analog delay types or sounds still in an all analog realm yeah yeah absolutely it's amazing really well it is super cool so there you go dear listener that was the boss dm 101 tell us what you think would you uh do, do, do you mind us doing demos like this would you rather we were just talking more or was this cool let us know because otherwise we don't know um but yeah get hold of us let us know what you think worth noting dear listener that after matt and i finish this main episode we're gonna be heading over to our patreon patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds where each week we talk about questions and topics that have been raised on the guitar nerds group on facebook this week i think we're going to talk maybe a bit about carl harris's mule caster that he's bought and we'll maybe take a little look at uh, all the mule guitars because they're so very cool mm. and uh possibly uh sean demary uh has just picked up a twilight pulse constantina brand that i had never heard of before um so maybe we'll take a little look at their range of pedals but do join us dear listener over there once we've uh once we've finished now um now matt last week uh jd and i were talking about this cool new thing that we're going to be doing on guitar nerds um in partnership with vintage guitars and the introduction of their new UK pro shop. So they're starting their own custom shop. They've had, uh, they've had custom shop style guitars available at very affordable prices for a few years now, but now they're opening up to you. You can go onto their website, vintage and you can design, fill in the form, design your own guitar and they will build it for you. And, and they're coming out somewhere between like seven hundred and like fourteen hundred pounds or sixteen hundred pounds, maybe at their at their top end. <laughs> I mean, that's very reasonable for a custom made guitar. Of course, we're not talking about something that's you know U.S. custom shop. We're talking uh, about modified, refinished, respect versions of their mm. standard range of guitars. But they are extraordinarily cool. And uh, I'm still ironing out um the the exacts of uh of what we're going to do uh with vintage but it looks like we are going to be letting you dear listener we're, <laughs> we're going to let you design a homer we're going to be building a team built guitar between us that's uh that's oh. the plan man i, I realized i haven't even spoken to you about this you don't know about this yet no i'm, I'm assuming we're going to put it out to some sort of oh, some yeah. sort of vote but i like you know it's I think this is great. I think it's yeah. nice that you can have all of those, you know, quite an extensive set of options. I mean, you know, if you took it above and beyond the options that are on here, like that's when things would obviously get stupidly expensive. But I mean, sure. you know, just going through this, the fact that you've got, in terms of pickups, you can have Wilkinson, Bare Knuckle, Seymour Duncan, Lace, and Monty's, and then spe- yep. specify make and brand. So you can go, yeah, I want, I don't know, I want, you know, Monty's paths in this. And they'll be like, okay, we'll go and get them. I think that's 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 wicked. You know, it's being UK cool. built and having access to those, I think that's, I can already see like some really cool options for not a lot of money coming out of this. 
Yeah, and they do color over color and stuff like that on the finishes. Mad. I've seen like modifications, even if you look on their main pro shop page, dear listener, like they've got this vintage V fifty two, which is like their fifty to telly sort of thing, mm. in uh in 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 black with a Bigsby on it. It looks like it's got a kill switch cut into the plate as well. So I think they'll go full on where they'll do any modifications you want. You're not just refinishing an instrument. You can kind of do anything with this, as long as it's a body shape from their current catalog. I mean, that's what, that, that's what they said to me, basically. I said, are there any limitations there? But like, as long as it's one of our body shapes, it's fine. Well, and, um, and considering they've got... Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 different body shapes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got more than enough to choose yeah. from. What would you do, Matt? What would you have built if you were designing um, one right now? Looking at some of the inspiration. Well, I mean, uh, they've, they've already done a sort of relict <laughs> uh, shell pink HSS Strat. So I'm sort of like, that does look oh, pretty cool. It does look so cool. They're distressed pink. It's not even quite um, uh, the shell pink. It's kind of almost a pop pink. Yeah. Uh, that I like. um, and I think it's, yeah, I mean, even going on their website now, if you go, you know, V6 icon, which is their sort of Strat style, you know, they've got a gunhill blue over sunburst like a metallic blue over sunburst for 529 i mean that itself is a great yeah starting point you know i i totally have something like that and you know maybe swap up the pickups or something like that yeah um i think so you've got reissued series which is the standard model and then you've got uh icon which i think is their distressed model i mean they even That's do right, like yeah. a reverse jimi hendrix white um white strat i mean i like the fact that they've gone i'd be tempted to do something i'd be tempted to do something like gilmore red strat with lace sensors in or something like that that's a great idea um that would be quite cool but i mean the amount of times i've seen thomas blug at nam or some other guitar show and he's always playing his vintage v6 is he yeah always and they they, they sound really good they, they they do sound really good i guess the thing is is that you forget because i even just had to have a look they've been around for over 25 years yeah and yeah. you don't necessarily see them not always necessarily pushed in your sort of bigger guitar shops they tend to be sort of confined sometimes to the smaller shops and stuff like that yeah. um but they, you know, they. I've always, I've always thought they look like cool guitars, but just not always had the kind of chance to sit there and play them. But they've got, you know, even a relict, you know, sixty-five, um, you know, Jazzmaster type thing. Imagine that with a mastery system, Ugh. any colour you want. Options are so yeah. so much i've been thinking about because i was like oh maybe i'll get one for myself as well after we do the build and i was i was kind of thinking about what i want i've changed several times obviously and i'm sure i'll change again but right now i'm into their vsa 500 which is their 335 with a bigsby three humbuckers um in jeep green i want it like a relic jeep, jeep green that's, that, that's basically isn't that the chris cornell yes that's exactly what i'm doing <laughs> exactly what i'm doing but i'm thinking maybe like a like heavy relic jeep green over black 
Right. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm not sure. I'm still fleshing that idea out, but um, I, I lo- they've got a couple of colours that I love. Their Jeep Green looks fantastic, and Gunhill Blue is their the other co- colour that I think looks amazing. Like a some somewhere between Pelham Blue and Daphne Blue, dear listener. Like a right. muddied Daphne. It's a lovely colour. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. There's a. There's. We just. I forget how many guitars they actually. Yeah. They actually make it's a um, huge range. So, um, so the um, the idea, Matt, or what we're going to do? I gave them two options, and they've gone for the latter. Initially, I was like, "What if Matt designs a guitar and I design a guitar, and we let the listeners vote, and whoever uh, whoever wins, they make that guitar?" Um, but they've gone for this idea. Each week, I'm going to present an option to the listeners for them to vote on. People can vote however they want. They can DM us, do it something on Instagram, our Facebook group. They can email us. However, send Courier Pigeon. doesn't matter. But each week, people tell me what they want, and I'll work out who's said the most of each thing. And so, like, one week, it would be, like, what body shape, and I'll give people options. You know, it would be Stratless, Paul, something like that. So... And the next week we'll do neck, we'll do pickups, we'll do finish. We'll keep it simple. I'm not going to do everything. I'll keep, you know, we'll just get the, because we'll be here forever otherwise. Yeah. Um, we'll keep it simple. And also it means that week by week I can make sure the options suit the previous thing. So we don't end up with too much of a homer. You know, we don't end up with, I don't know, a Les Paul with a telly neck and strap pickups in it or something. Um, Les Paul with a telly neck. Um, although you know they have got this, uh, yeah, they have got this telly on here with a Bigsby, a kill switch, two controls, and a blade selector. So uh, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. and there's no reason why you couldn't go a little Homer on yeah, this one true. if you really wanted to. Well, we'll see. It'll be up to the listeners, really, won't it? It will indeed. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, that's. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see. And again, at good prices, you know, we talked about Gordon Smith before in the past and those sort of affordable yeah. prices. So I think it's nice to be able to design your own guitar and come back at, you know, not crazy money. Um, yeah. You know, I've been reading, you know, I read a lot of Guitarist Magazine, Guitar World. Certainly Guitarist Magazine are really good at the moment for pushing sort of like smaller builders and boutique builders. And there's like some guitars that I just go, oh, man, I'd love to own that. And just They're just too expensive um so it's kind of nice to be able to see a brand like this offer yeah i think you know just some your own guitar for a more affordable price point yeah great yeah exactly exactly that it's uh it's a way to be interesting and unique uh without necessarily breaking the bank mm. um so yeah so we will we will see. We'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see how this ends up. Anyway, dear listener, it is about time we did topic of the week. Um, actually, I tell you what, just before we do, dear listener, if you are in the UK, sorry, everyone else, at the moment, uh, I, I noticed, actually, Mark Packham messaged us about this earlier, Matt Knight, um, that there is T-Rex Replicator Juniors on Reverb. It's like they're being dished out at a very affordable price 275 for a replicator junior would you get one uh i would um i want a real tape tape echo i mean the, the cool thing about this is as well is it's like it records to basically like cassette tape yeah <laughs> um and the fact that they're you know they're handmade in denmark that's that's cool i wonder if you could put a normal cassette in it <laughs> i don't think so i think they're a weird size they're that weird it's just that little top bit if you're looking at the picture. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think yeah, it's for 275 though because these were what 599 I think the full ones had like modulation options were around 600 pounds the junior which just has basic controls was like 400 quid but it is now mm. to 275 um yeah wow available on uh, on reverb at the moment do check it out dear listener if you're interested in something that could be a super cool tape echo i think it's well very, very good. No idea one they won. Yes, or or, or do this. No, you could do that. Um, um, but no, I mean, you know, it, they've had those units out for for quite a while. So ages since we since we were at GAC, I remember them coming out, and I was yeah. very excited about them. I remember the full size ones. They came in their own like leather pouch, but there wasn't yeah. really much else that was like five hundred, six hundred quid at the time. Like the H nine was about yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I could afford it, I'd definitely be ordering one of the Benson drum echoes that they're sort of reissuing. I don't even know how much they are. The ones that they had at NAMM. Yeah. Um, yeah, $17,99, It's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. But ultimately, a very, very cool product. Yeah. Yes, a very cool product indeed. Now we're gonna we're going to dear listener, we're gonna spin the wheel so we can talk about uh, the topic of the week as our finisher for this week. So uh, let me do that. Spin the Okay, and this week, the winner of Spin the Wheel and the person that gets to choose the topic for next week's podcast is Ross Edwards. I don't know if Ross Edwards has already won. I've got to, we've got to that point. I'm like, we're 25 episodes in, Matt. I have no idea. There have been at least 20 winners. I know we missed a few weeks here and there. <laughs> but uh, but potentially you've won <laughs> twice, Ross. Who knows? Ago. That's the main thing. Have we, got made sure, have we made sure that all of these people have got their prizes? Uh, uh, I haven't sent any of them out yet. <laughs> But oh, actually, no. I, I know, oh, I know, I know. It's because no. it's <laughs> they're, they're coming. It's because I'm having something very specially made um, right. for for them, and it's nearly. I think they're here week after next. Bright Onion Pedals are making something that's going to go in every one of the goodie bags, and I wanted to wait until I had all of those. Oh, well, now we know. Nice update. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have let people know, but it's uh, yeah, so, yeah. So sorry about that, everyone. But they're, they're, I promise you, they're coming. Believe me, believe in me. Anyway, last week the uh, the winner was Andy McKenzie, and Andy uh, said he, he, what, what he wants to talk about is the best value hollow body guitar for heavier music. The news about a possible Epiphone Dave Grohl signature is quite nice, as is the upcoming EVH hollow body. So yeah, that I mean that's a great question because so many hollow bodies have such a very very specific weird mid honky tone. They mm. make themselves not that well suited, um, and that's kind of where I, I love the look of hollow bodies. But you know, I remember when I, when I had the ES one seven five, it was like a dream guitar that I couldn't use, <laughs> you know, for for anything other than a very specific application. Obviously, I. When they say heavy music, what are we talking here? Are we talking? Are I we mean, talking he mentioned Dave Grohl, so I, I, he said he said Dave Grohl, and I wouldn't exactly call the Foo Fighters heavy music, um, but uh, gain, I guess don't they? Sorry, uh, they they, what? they use a fair bit of gain. Yeah, sure, sure. But then are we ruling out thin line tellies? 
I mean, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. If you think that's a great option, I mean, who's that fellow who's had a signature model thin line Telecaster for forever? Mm. And it was like Korean made. It was like a through neck. Jim Atkins. Jim Atkins, yeah. What a great guitar that was. Mm, sold loads of those. Yeah. Loads <laughs> of those. Um, I think it's difficult, really, because technically they would all – guitar would work for anything that you want it to work for. I mean, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily ever pictured Kirk Hammett from Metallica playing 59 Les Paul, but he, he does. Yeah, sure. Um, I, th- I guess the biggest thing is feedback. So if you're using a big hollow body, like you say, for 175, they're just going to feed back on stage yeah. but you know, interestingly in terms of a big rock sound i don't know if you saw joe the um that pedal show interviewed noel gallagher and his rig he did the early rig which is his three he was playing a three four five into a marshall valve state at a whim and it just sounded like <laughs> amazing and he's like no pedals he's like straight in just cranked um so, you know, those those hollow bodies do work, but I guess when you're using something that's maybe a bit more vintage, the paths are a bit more low gain. I would say avoid anything fully hollow body because, you know, like that 175, they just don't sound ideal for that. I don't think no. they match with the gain particularly well. You, you don't get that punch, basically. No. It's, it's, a, it's a more muted, it's a softer, longer tone and it's uh it's difficult mm. if you want if if attack if pick attack is very important they're just not the the resonance of them just mm. isn't, isn't isn't right for that i mean you want to talk about affordable guitar i mean so what we're essentially saying that is hollow body's fine as long as they've got a big old center block that's what i was gonna say yeah i think as long as you've got a center block you're probably okay you're probably okay and you know who does a, a whole range of really affordable hollow bodies with a big old center block gretch with their streamliner series yeah because the whole idea was they're like here's some cool retro looking gretches but incidentally they actually work on you know everything because because that's the problem isn't it if they'd have made them completely hollow affordable you know uh, affordable big hollow guitars by gretch it's, they're at the price point where a lot of young players and beginners will buy them, and then when they don't, you know, they're not going to know how to deal with the, the feedback issues mm. you get. So mm. it would have given the whole range a bad name. So they did an excellent job of making the streamliners actually really, really good for for you know any application. And they're always updating it. There's always new colours. There's so much in the series. Yeah, I think because I, I was going to because I mean. I think you could play this, uh, you know, an Epiphone 335 type thing. But then I'm also going, well, what about picking something like the Reverend? So they do the Air Sonic, which is semi-hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't the hole go the whole way through? I think so, if I remember right. Something like this. That, that's the one, yeah. So it's the hole goes right the way through. That's obviously a bit cool. more quirky, because obviously what usually happens in these situations for these kind of questions is someone wants something that looks completely traditional as yeah. well. Um, I mean, if you like the Dave Grohl, I mean, the, I think we talked about it maybe briefly. I certainly saw a few articles about it. Um, but the Emily Wolf signature sheraton yeah um now available in white as well as black yeah white white and black with the kind of diamond cutaways i mean that's very cool wait Uh, is it diamond cutaways i didn't think it was yeah like the trini lopez yeah oh that's very cool Mm. um but yeah i think yeah you could go you could go gretch i think but if you want to go 
more down the rock route and you want the kind of hollow body feel, then you could go down PRS SE hollow body. Um, of course. Why didn't I think of that? That should have been right on the tip of my tongue. I think Those SE hollow bodies were say, fantastic. I think when a lot of people say hollow body, you instantly yeah. jump to a 335 or yeah, a Gretsch or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I always think SE, you know, well, I think PRS hollow body. I personally, I always think of, um, I always think of Incubus because I was a massive fan of Mike Einzinger and that's what he played yeah. for years, years and years. Um, they're on sale at the moment in some dealers. I think you can buy one for five seven nine, normally oh, nine nine nine. Amazing, amazing deal. Do you remember when they did that exotic wood series? I know, dear listener, if you've been listening for a few years, we spoke about them quite a lot at the time that they came out. But they did a whole range of exotic wood versions of their SE models. Yes. And I don't know what it is. Maybe there were lots of them, or maybe they weren't popular. But I think they they ended up they ended up being very affordable. Mm. Um, and so, you know, so I think you, again, you could pick pick those up for like four nine nine, maybe for like a hollow body exotic wood uh, PRS SE, which was which was amazing. They were fantastic. Um, I wonder if they're still undesirable, and you can find those on the second hand market for an affordable price. Yeah. Yeah, I, I reckon so. But yeah, maybe if you want to go down the real rock route, then PRS. If you want something that's going to do a bit more of the kind of classic cleans as well, um, go down the 335 route perhaps. Um, and then, yeah, look for something with a center block. If you want to go heavy, I think you're right, Jay. You've got to go center block. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to have some problems. Yes, exactly. That is, uh, that is very much the case. Now that does in fact bring us up to pretty much the end of this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast, dear listener. Um, Matt and I are going to head over to Patreon. We're going to talk about some of the topics from our Facebook group and some other things like that. If you want to get in touch with us to ask any questions or for any reason at all, uh, we especially want to know what you thought of the demo this week. But you can email us, info at Guitar Nerds, DM us on Instagram, ask in the open forum on Facebook, however you want. If you're a Patreon supporter, contact us through that. We're heading over to patreon now you can join us there visit patreon.com forward slash katanas for all the info on how to sign up thank you for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell goodbye Well, that's it for another week of the Guitar Nerds podcast, which only leaves me to say thank you eternally and very, very muchly to all of our top-tier Patreon backers. Thank you very much to Marcus Deluxe, Suresh, Dorsonic Pickups, Chris Franklin, Anton Fryant, Russ Meehan, Barry Gresbick, Steve Davis, Daniel Walker, Jorin Brown, John Conway, The Studio Rats, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Carl Harris, Sean Hughes, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einsler, Mark Hisiao, Kaduaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dore, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Losef, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, J.D. Short, 
Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and the wonderful Moog Graphic. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 